Good morning. You are welcome to Sunday School today, Sunday, February 25, 2024. Brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Christ the Lord Parish, Lekki, Lagos. Today is our second interactive session and quarterly review of the 2023-24 church year. So we shall review the 12 lessons taught during the quarter as briefly as possible. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for another beautiful day. This is a day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we review the Sunday school lessons taught in the past few weeks, help us to have a fresh understanding of your word in the name of Jesus and enable us to put the lessons to good use. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. We started the second quarter with lesson 14, titled Strength in Quietness. We learned that words are powerful and can make or mar, just as they can save or put one in trouble. Being in a rush to speak is often a sign of weakness. It takes maturity and self-discipline to be a quiet person. The first lesson outline, the fool's mouth, defines a fool as one who acts unwisely with very quick expressions of his mouth, which will lead to his destruction and his rash words. A trap to his own soul, according to Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool does not bridle his tongue, but engages his mouth in unprofitable arguments, which may result in fights. If care is not taken, the fool's talk will destroy him, since he doesn't take to instruction, argues and expresses frustrations openly, and cannot cease from strife. Lesson outline two describes the meaning of being slow to speak as thinking before talking, choosing and using words carefully, speaking with wisdom, which may involve enlisting the help of the Lord to set a guard on his mouth. Being slow to speak shows we are knowledgeable and it depicts understanding while ensuring we use the right words. If we can bridle our tongue, we will command respect and avoid unnecessary arguments and trouble. Lesson 15 was titled, Lessons from the Four Lepers. Lepers in biblical times were treated as outcasts, and since there was no care for leprosy, an infected person would gradually lose fingers or toes, or in some cases, limbs. Yet, this was the category of people God used to bring relief to his people during a famine. The first outline, Living above limitations defined limitations as either obstacles on Christians' way to fulfillment of God's plans for their lives or setbacks, stagnation, and losing out in the battles of life. We learned that sources of limitation include spiritual, human misdeeds or errors, such as the case of Mephibosheth, who at five years old was accidentally dropped and became lame or through natural occurrences or afflictions. The lepers in the Bible region were not allowed to live among their brethren, but had to stay by the entrance of the gate. As Christians, we are bound to have challenges. However, God has assured us of being more than conquerors through Christ. The second outline enumerates lessons to learn from the lepers. The first lesson is that of unity. The lepers were united and drew strength from that. When there is unity, it is easier to accomplish a task. 
They showed determination which helped them to conquer fear. They had understanding by analyzing their problem, leading to decision making. Again, they were daring, resolute, and after laying hands on the spoils, showed they had a saving culture by not eating everything they found, but keeping some. They also showed compassion by deciding to report to the king what they found so others could benefit. The lesson further teaches against procrastination and benefits of sharing information. Lesson 16 was titled Hypocrites in the Church. And a hypocrite was defined as a person who pretends to be something he or she is not, usually with the intention to cheat or deceive. The first lesson outline reveals three forms of hypocrisy. One, professing belief in something and then acting contrary to that belief, such as when people claim to be Christians just with their mouths, but they don't believe in their hearts. Two, when we are flawed ourselves, but look down on others, or three, when we project ourselves to be what we are not, like through social media. We learned that people engage in hypocrisy because of the pride of life, the desire for men's honor, or due to insecurity, wanting to be respected in church as a holy person. Meanwhile, behind, we commit sin, like Ananias and Sapphira. Some engage in hypocrisy to cheat or due to self-indulgence. The second outline reveals consequences and rewards of hypocrisy as bad leadership, as in the example of King Saul, who feared the people instead of God, punishment, shame and disgrace, curse, curses, and untimely or spiritual death. And we concluded that God knows all things, including our secrets, so no one can deceive him. He will repay everyone according to his works. Next, we treated Lesson 17, a lying tongue. Lying was defined as a premeditated act of deviating from the truth, which often results in difficulties and can be mentally tiring. And the first lesson outline reveals the traits of a liar as any of the following. One who deceives, who, excuse me, one who denies Jesus Christ as Lord, the devil who is a liar and the father of liars, one who claims to know God but fails to obey his commandments, one who is still ruled by the old man, a proud person who lies to sustain the wrong impression he creates, a disloyal or faithful betrayer who deceives at will, one who destroys by executing a well-planned misrepresentation that may endanger lives, or one given to falsehood. According to Proverbs 19.22b, a poor man is better than a liar irrespective of his achievements. It should be noted that no matter how smart a liar is, the lie will only be for a limited time before the truth is exposed. Antidotes to lie include being intentional about telling the truth always, learning to bridle our tongue, speaking few words without exaggerations, being slow to speak, and letting our yes be yes and our no, no. Speaking the truth in love requires discipline, but it brings peace and honor to God, who cannot tolerate liars. Scripture says no liar will get to heaven. Moving on to lesson 18, titled Foundational Truth. Truth was defined as an everlasting substance which can be relied upon. The first lesson outlined the word is truth, implies certain things. Jesus is the truth, going by John 14, 6, whilst he is the word according to John 1, 1. Therefore, the word is the truth. 
that is found in John 17, 17. The truth is absolute and not relative. It is accurate and unchangeable. The word gives wisdom and direction and is sharp and powerful. If we know the word of God, we know the truth that will deliver and make us free. And then the word is incorruptible. The second outline, beware of false doctrines, advises us to be watchful of the devil, who through diverse means converses false doctrines, like suggesting that Jesus is not the son of God, or that there is no re uh, resurrection of the dead. The devil also tries to confuse people by suggesting miracles no longer happen, and that there is no need for tithing, and that it is not possible to live holy lives. Lesson 19 is about gratitude, which is about not taking things for granted. We must always recognize the influence and blessings of God in our lives. Showing gratitude, the first outline, involves thanksgiving, which should be the first fruit of our lips and should come out of a pure, broken and contrite heart. Scripture engages us not to give thanks grudgingly or out of necessity, but willingly and cheerfully. The Bible also reveals we should give thanks to God with a joyful noise, with singing, clapping of hands, with musical instruments and dancing. Furthermore, we can show gratitude to God through the offering of quality substances, such as our time, materials, property, and money, as well as our labor of love in God's vineyard. Benefits of gratitude include enablement to glorify God as we focus on him, the giver, feeling God's presence and his care and ability to conform to God's will. Showing gratitude to God brings peace, joy, and contentment, and it perfects our testimony. It also deepens our faith, especially when we face new difficulties. Lesson 20 titled The Blame Game signifies accusations exchanged among people who refuse to accept responsibility for undesirable events or outcomes. We outlined negative effects of the blame game as one, chasing shadows, which is when we leave the main issue and instead start looking for excuses. For instance, a slothful person trying to transfer blame to government or his colleagues. Number two, stagnation, which keeps us in the spot for a long time. Three, never wrong syndrome, which is when we clear ourselves of any wrongdoing and see others as being at fault. Also depression, mental blindness, which prevents us from seeing clearly but only seeing the wrong of others. Hatred, pride and ignorance, ingratitude, bitterness and destruction of relationships. The second outline, taking responsibility, teaches us to do just that. This may not be easy, but it is worth it in the long run. We have the example of David who accepted he had sinned once he was confronted by Nathan. We must be personally accountable for our actions and inactions. Besides, we need to ask God to create in us the right spirit so we can swiftly acknowledge there is a problem when a mistake is made and, and identify our role in a blunder, determined to avoid future occurrence. Alternative spirituality, lesson 21, describes spiritual practices that do not conform with true Christianity. Such practices highlighted in the first lesson outline include astrology, crystal sphere, Others include necromancy, which is the conjuring of the spirits of the dead to reveal the future or influence the course of events. Palm reading, playing some seemingly harmless games 
designed to initiate people into divination, such as visiting websites that promise to guide and reveal destiny, perfumes and cosmetics capable of bringing good luck or warding off bad luck, charms, amulets, talisman, and so on. The second outline reveals that all the mentioned practices are forms of divination which are detestable by God and forbidden in scripture. Deuteronomy 4.19 instructs that we must not worship and serve what God created, like the sun, moon, and stars, which according to Genesis 1.14 indicate signs and seasons. We are to remember that our wisdom comes from God and not the dead, who are either resting in heaven or in hell. Anything that seeks to manipulate the spirit world is likened to witchcraft, which is named alongside idolatry as ungodly in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. We concluded that the word of God is and must remain our guide through life. Next, we treated modern day idolatry as lesson 22. An idol was defined as anything that replaces the one and only true God in our lives or anything that takes a significant amount of our time, leaving us with little or no time to spend with God. Unlike in the past, where idol worship referred to bowing down to statues and objects, different forms of modern-day idolatry identified in the first outline include self-worship, which is expressed through aggressive pursuits and realization of goals and dreams, excluding God, materialism, pride and ego, idolizing fellow men because of social status or money, naturalism and the power of science, self-indulgence through use of alcohol, drugs, excessive watching of TV, social media, clubbing, gambling, and so on. Consequences of modern-day idolatry were identified as deviation from God's laws and teachings, loss of zeal for the things of God, generational departure from God, eternal separation from God, and incurring divine curses as what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, who lived like an animal for seven years before he was restored. Spiritual maturity, which is lesson 23, focused on consciously living the longings for continuous milk and baby steps and growing to be like Christ. Signs of spiritual immaturity highlighted in the first outline include selfishness. When one is gifted but lacks the corresponding fruit of the spirit, when one is quick to speak and slow to hear, when one is given to complaining and murmuring always, inability to endure sound doctrine, when one is controlled by sight, emotion, feelings, when one engages in envy, strife, heated arguments and disagreements, and when one gets upset over petty things. A spiritually immature person flows with the world. To be spiritually mature, one must walk with the Holy Spirit by feeding intensely on the word of God and doing what it says. Also, one must manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual maturity entails forgiving and growing to forget, taking to correction, managing our emotions, having integrity, avoiding strife, being humble, and generally putting on the righteousness of Christ. Lesson 24, titled The Redemption Package, was taught next. Following the surrendering of our lives to Jesus, he gave us our redemption package, which contains everything that will make life enjoyable. The first outline reveals reasons we may not enjoy the redemption package, whilst the second outline unfolds the package. 
Christians may not enjoy the benefits of redemption because they may not have been discovered. The benefits need to be searched for and found before we can enjoy them. Some Christians have been wrongly taught to be content with their present state. They are satisfied only with being saved. We are enjoined not to be content with our state if it is unpleasant and revolt against negative things like lack, sickness, and want. Genuine salvation is accompanied by deliverance from cures and evil covenants, the spirit of fear, demonic oppressions, and the wrath of God. Also, victory over sin, enemies, the devil, sickness and diseases, physical and spiritual death, and prosperity, which is abundant provisions. We concluded that some Christians suffer not because they are not saved, but because they do not meet the conditions of the covenant of prosperity, such as sowing, giving, and tithing. Finally, the quarter ended with Lesson 25, Christian Apologetics, which was defined as the science of giving a defense of the Christian faith in the face of many skeptics who doubt God's existence. Lesson outline one, reason and biblical instances shows there is no excuse for Christians to be unable to defend their faith. Christians must know what they believe and why they believe it, how to share it with others and how to defend it against lies and attacks. Number two, scriptures commands us to be ready and equipped to proclaim the gospel and defend our faith. Thirdly, the only way to do this effectively is to study why we believe what we believe. Remember 2 Timothy 2, 15. And fourthly, by doing the above, we will be prepared to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Jesus was his own apologetic. He often said we should believe in him because of available evidence. Besides, the Bible is full of divine miracles confirming what God wants us to believe. Paul practiced what he preached referring to apologetics as an aspect of his mission in Philippians 1.16. He made being an apologetic a requirement for all believers. Also, Jude in verse 3 exhorts Christians to contend for the faith. The second outline, with gentleness and respect, specifies the Christian faith should be defended by apologetics without being rude, angry, or disrespectful and that we should strive to be strong in our defense, but at the same time be Christ-like. Should we win a debate, but turn the other person further away from Christ because of our attitude, we have lost the true purpose of Christian apologetics. And on that note, we come to the end of the second quarterly review of 2024. Let us thank God for the opportunity of refreshing our memories and pray that we all have, have learned Let's pray that all we have learned will be hidden in our hearts and put to good use in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father and our Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord.